Uh, thanks for being with us in this room. For those that are here for the first time, it's glad to have you be a part of what we are doing here at The Journey. You picked a strange day to come, but uh, hey, we're going to talk about some faith and politics here in a second, and I will get there. Uh, for those of you online, thanks for being with us online today, especially if you're brand new too. Man, we'd love for everybody to fill out that connection card to let us know a little bit more about you. Hey, uh, as I get started today, just uh, one more thing. Uh, thanks to our tech team. Uh, our family, we were kind of afraid we had been around a COVID person uh, who happened to be in our family in college, a little bit older and should have known better and should have called us and told us that they weren't feeling too well before we went to go see them. But anyway, um, we had that conversation when we got there, but we felt like it was best for us to make sure we were healthy and they were healthy. And after three negative tests, we think we're all good to go. So thanks to our tech team, I sent them a video at midnight last Saturday and they put it online so that you guys could, uh, we all could do church that way. So big thank you to them. Um, I've told you guys before that uh, my dad was a pastor for 42 years. He retired about four years ago. And, and the church I grew up in, he was there for about 36 of those years. And one of the things they did, of course, like most churches do, they had missionaries that they supported. And they had a particular missionary they supported in the Dominican Republic. My, my dad was going on his first trip with our church to go see this guy and to hang out with him. He was a missionary, but also a doctor. And so he was meeting the physical and spiritual needs of the people there in the Dominican well, he's up, uh, my dad's up one Sunday, he's talking about going on this trip to the Dominican Republic and how excited he is to go meet the people of the Dominican Republic and how he's looking forward to helping the people of the Dominican Republic and seeing this missionary in the Dominican Republic. And, and then finally, one of the older ladies there at church, she, she leans over to one of her friends and she said, did he say he was a Democrat or a Republican? Oh, you guys don't like that joke, do you? Wow. <laughs> All right, well, it was funny to me when I heard it back like 25, 30 years ago. That question is a question that so many people wonder about someone like a pastor. You know, is the pastor, is he a Democrat or is he a Republican? And guess what? This morning, I'm not going to tell you because it's none of your business. And that's really not what's important here because today we're starting a brand new series over the next four weeks called The Separation of Church and Hate. And over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about faith and we're going to talk about politics. Now, I know when I say that, when I talk about faith and politics, there are two groups of people. And one group, you're kind of nervous, right? You're kind of nervous about what's going to be said today and over the next few weeks. If you're at home, you know, you probably turn the volume down a little bit just in case, you know, you might be embarrassed. But then there's another group, you're fired up. I mean, you're excited for this. You're ready for this. You're like, you tell those Democrats fill in the blank and you tell those Republicans to fill in the blank because you're ready for this. You think you know what's getting ready to happen. But therein lies the problem. Our faith and our politics have become mingled together. And so when we view the world, we don't view it through a faith filter. We view it through a political filter. We view it through red or blue. And when that is the reactions that we have and the actions that we take and the words that we use, emotions are going to be involved with that. And so this series has one purpose. The series of this purpose is to help us think, how are we acting and how are we responding to people we disagree with? And there's questions we got to think about. Am I part of the reason that we see so much division? Are there parts of me that I need to change? Am I being a true representative of Jesus if I say that I follow Jesus? And so again, over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about this. How am I acting and how am I responding to people I disagree with? 
I want to begin with a couple of things. The first is, let me tell you kind of the stance of the Journey Church, okay? Because people kind of want to know where churches stand. And, and you know churches that lean one way. Some don't lean. They're just fully over in one side. And some lean another way, or they're just fully into another side. Uh, we like to take the stance of Billy Graham. Uh, Billy Graham once said, I'm not for the left wing or the right wing. I'm for the whole bird, okay? And that's kind of the feeling that we have. We're for the whole bird here. Our goal as a church is to help people take their next steps towards Jesus. That's why we're here. And we want to be able to influence people for the sake of Jesus. We want to be able to influence people to help them take their next steps towards Jesus. But so many times Christians and churches alienate people from that opportunity. And so as a church, we would rather influence people than alienate them when it comes to following Jesus. So there's a couple of ground rules you need to know about. One is the church. We don't talk about politics a whole lot, and, and this is a great season for us to do this. But, but a couple of the ground rules are, first, I'm not going to share my political leanings. I'm not going to share with you who I'm going to vote for. Honestly, none of your business whatsoever. If you want to go have coffee in about a year or two, we can talk about that when COVID's kind of maybe subsided a little bit. We can do that. That's fine. But I'm not going to talk to you about that, and I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, and I'm not going to tell you what political party to be a part of, and I'm not going to tell you what issues you should focus on, okay? My goal in this series is to help us think, how am I acting and responding to people that I disagree with when it comes to something like politics and faith? So important to us. And so I have a challenge. Here's my challenge. Over the next four weeks of this series, and I know the election is in 16 days, I believe, so uh, we're going to go an extra week because the last week is so important coming out of the election, whatever happens. But here's my challenge. Here's this question. Are you willing to put your faith filter, are you willing to put your faith filter ahead of your political filter? Are you willing to put your faith filter ahead of your political filter? And so over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about four responses to that question and that challenge. Because here's what I'm trying to get us to for this week. One of the responses that we have to learn, especially if we call ourselves followers of Christ, is how to be civil when we disagree with someone else's political leanings and understandings. How can we be civil? I want to start this morning by reading to you a quote. Here's what this quote says. It says, there are approximately 1,010,300 words in the English language, but I can never string enough words together to properly express how much I want to hit you with a chair. You're thinking, somebody just tweeted that this past week, right? No, this is not brand new. Um, it's supposed that Alexander Hamilton said this to Thomas Jefferson many years ago, okay? So this isn't new. This is something that's been around for, for generations of where we have these incredible disagreements with people. And if you know those two guys, they really didn't like each other a whole lot, did they? Um, the difference is now we kind of fight with words. We, we fight with the spoken word. We fight with the, 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 the written word, the typed word. Back then, do you know how they fought? Do you know how they got back at each other? They had duets. There you go. First service didn't get it. Alexander Hampton, you know, the musical duets. Yeah, okay. They actually had duels. They shot each other. So things are a little bit better, I think, in some ways today. Um, but we rarely say things to people like, I respect your view, right? Um, here's why I would disagree with you. Or can we have a conversation about this? What we tend to say is, you're an idiot. Excuse me, kids, for saying the word idiot. But that's what we say. You're an idiot because you disagree with me. And we'll add a ton of other words to that. 
This is how we respond anymore to people that we don't agree with. We've lost the ability to be civil when it comes to conversations with people about politics and especially when our faith is involved. Because these are my ideologies. These are my thoughts. This is my party's thoughts. These are my, my party's platform. This is the person that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vote for. And, and we have lost the ability to be civil with conversations with other people. And so again, that's why I think being civil and learning to do that is so important for us today. Because we've forgotten how to discuss ideas and to deal with disagreements. Well, to help us think through this, I'm going back to something we talked about this past, I think, August in our Reboot series. We were in the book of James, and we looked at this passage in James chapter 1, and the reason I'm going back here is because it's so true to where we are right now in this political climate. And so we're going to look at James chapter 1, starting with verse 19 through 20. Here's what it says. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. I, I want you to think about those words as you, you see them there on, on your screens. And here's what I want you to think about. If we lived these words out in our current political climate, do you know what we'd see? We'd see less political Facebook posts. And we would see less political Facebook responses. And we would see less political Facebook unfriendings. Right? But we can't control ourselves. We can't control our anger. We, we can't control the, the response time of, of our fingers. I mean, we feel like we, we've got to share our opinion. We can't control our desire to refute what someone else has put out there, to call them out or even to admonish them. Because our, our typed words ha have become our weapon of choice and politics is the war that we fight. And so is it any wonder that we're so divided? But here's the crazy part. What I'm talking about here is not about some candidate or some government official. I'm talking about people that we like, people that we love, people that are part of our families. Now, of course, there's always that random person on social media that we say something to. But how many relationships have been broken because we don't know how to deal with our faith and our politics? We get so caught up in what the world wants and the anger that's there that we're the ones bringing about division and hate ourselves. And so James gives us some incredible words here to live by here in James chapter 1. And if we learn these and we were to put these into practice, man, it could change our world. Well, what does James say? Well, first thing he says is be quick to listen. He says, be quick to listen. I, I'm going to share something personal with you right now. I've never shared this before in public. Um, I might as well do it because, you know, this is kind of the season we're in. Um, I hate candy corn. I do. I hate that uncandy candy. It's not even real candy, people. But, but when I say that, I know after making that statement, there's some of you in here that are like, right on, right? I preach it. I mean, you're, you're so right. I mean, candy corn is not real candy. It's terrible. I hate it too. There's another group that's in here, or you're online right now, and you're typing up a dirty email to me, and you're like, you heathen. Like, you're a terrible person. You're a horrible man. May you rot forever. All because I said those words, I hate candy corn. Now that second group, you're ready to fight. Again, you're ready to send that hateful email to post something on our Facebook page about that. Or, or worse yet, you're going to buy bags of candy corn. You're going to leave them on my doorstep. Okay, please don't do that. Um, 
What happened is I made a statement that you disagree with, but do you know why? Why is it that I hate candy corn? Well, I want to share with you why I hate candy corn. A little traumatic. Um, but when I was uh, a kid, I actually fell into a vat of, of candy corn. That's not true. I made that up. Fake news. Um, that didn't happen. But if you, if you respond with anger when I say something like, I hate candy corn, guess what? You don't know why I hate candy corn. We've never had a conversation. You haven't taken the time to listen and to understand where I'm coming from. Let me tell you why I hate candy corn. Because it's just terrible candy. Okay? It's like a piece of wax. Right? You touch it. It feels like wax. You eat it. It tastes like wax. Somebody told me after the first service that feeling or the stuff that's on the outside is actually insect excrement that they put on there. So enjoy your candy corn, people. I'm going to take care of my body and not ever eat that stuff. Again, I think I've had one piece my entire life. Why do I bring up candy corn? I know you're like, this is the dumbest example ever. Here's why. Um, in our current climate, we've stopped listening. We've stopped trying to understand other people. When we hear something we don't agree with, we, we jump into the fray. We respond quickly. We don't try to hear where that other person is coming from, no matter how crazy what they're saying might actually be. We don't take the time to listen. And stop and ask yourself, what expectation do you have for the other person you're talking to? What is it? You know what your expectation is. Your expectation when you're in a conversation with someone else is that they listen quickly and speak slowly. You don't want them to argue. Uh, you don't want them to give their opinion. You don't want them to disagree with you. The expectation is that they listen to you. And here's the best part. Because they'll listen to you, you are going to change their mind every single time. There's the old adage that says, um, your social media posts never changed anybody's mind. Uh, well, that adage is very, very true. And so we have to be careful to make sure that we are listening quickly to what others have to say, which means we listen to understand. The next thing James says is be slow to speak. Let me talk to the dudes for a second. If you are married or been married before, you will understand this. Uh, guys, how many times have you spoken in a conversation with your wife where um, before you listened? Once, twice, 4,652 times and counting like me? Guys, we, we tend to listen very slowly, right? And we speak quickly. But here's, uh, guys, I'm gonna give you some advice today. Here, here's the deal. When you listen to what your wives are saying and you work to understand where they're coming from, Here's what's going to happen. You are less likely to say something as dumb as you were going to say in the first place. Okay? Guys, we're still going to say dumb stuff. Let's just be honest with that. But we can be less likely to do that if we would just take the time to listen. But it's the same when it comes to life. If we take the time to listen, to understand, and we speak slowly, then it gives us an opportunity to know more about what's happening within the conversation that we're having, whatever who it may be. When I speak quickly, I say things that make sense to one person. They make sense to me. And so my responses, my viewpoints, my, my politics, they make perfect sense to me. But if we listen 
and we're slow to speak, maybe we can begin to understand the responses and the viewpoints and the politics of the other person. Even if it doesn't make sense to you, at least we can take the time to listen, to hear where they're coming from, and to speak slowly. The next thing that happens, though, is anger. We become angry, but the reality is anger isn't something that happens in these other, if we follow this rule here, the, 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 the truth is that, that anger is the first thing that happens. Anger is the first thing that we shoot from our mouths or our fingertips. We don't listen, we speak quickly, and anger is what we see. And we see it all around us. I mean, everybody is angry, right? Everybody is full of, of hate. Um, as I was working on this message this week, I decided I'm going to look at social media, and, and I do that normally about every day. I don't post a whole lot, if anything, because there's a lot of noise out there, and I'm a lurker. I just kind of watch and see what you post so I can have conversations with my wife later, like, do you see what they posted? I can't believe they posted that. But um, anyway, I'm kidding a little bit about that. But um, I went on social media. I was like, what are people angry about? And so here's some of the things that, that came out. Um, school boards are trying to figure out when are they going to send kids back to school, Okay. A big, huge conversation about this, and, and maybe you're a part of this because we got a lot of teachers here. Uh, maybe your parents like we are, and you're like, please take our kids. We'll pay you to take our kids. We'll give you more tax money. Just take the kids. But, um, but did you know people are angry on both sides? Like nobody can agree. Everybody's fighting. Uh, this past week, the Lakers won the NBA championship. So now the conversation is, who's the greatest NBA basketball player of all time? And, and so the LeBron James group is like, LeBron's the greatest. And then the Michael Jordan group's like, no, Michael Jordan's the greatest. And, and did you know those two sides are angry and they're spatting, they're fighting back and forth? I, I'm not even going to talk about political candidates and, and political parties because we know, because probably all of us, there's anger that's there. And so stuff is being thrown all over the place there. We're, we're angry. The only thing I can find that everybody agrees on, this is the only thing, and I've looked and looked and looked, the only thing I can find that everybody agrees on, I talked about this a little bit last week, is that the NFC East is the worst division in all of football, okay? That's the only thing anybody agrees on. Everything else, there's disagreement all over the place. See, anger is something that happens. Anger is something that comes from us, and many times anger is where we begin. But anger is also a result, and it's a decision. The result comes because we don't listen. The result comes because we, we don't try to understand where that other person is coming from. The decision is that we speak quickly. And then the outcome that we find is anger. How many relationships do you know or do you have with people that are broken right now because of anger? because of what we were talking about here, because of these political disagreements. I don't know how many times I've seen people that their relationships are broken because they don't know how to be civil with each other when it comes to disagreements politically. And so relationships are, are breaking apart. Friendships are ending because of the bitterness and the hurt that's there. And here's the deal. The longer you listen, the more you learn from not talking, the less angry you will be. And hopefully, in the midst of all of this, we can have a healthy dialogue with someone else. James continues on here. Look at verse 20. He says, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Um, you already know who you're voting for in the election, okay? Again, I don't know very many people that are undecided at this point. You know who you're going to vote for out of all the candidates that are out there. 
If you are a Republican, you are absolutely convinced Jesus is a Republican. And you would take the teachings of Jesus and you would say, hey, here are the views of Jesus and here's the views and values of my political party. You know what? Jesus is a Republican. And I could turn that into a series and say, Jesus is a Republican and make that a sermon series. Because I could pull teachings and like, yep, Jesus is a Republican. Look at this. If you're a Democrat, guess what? You can do the exact same thing. You're absolutely convinced that Jesus is a Democrat. And so you could take those values and those views and beliefs of your party and the teachings of Jesus. You could put that together like, hey, look, Jesus is a Democrat. And then I could look at this and say, you know what? I'm going to do a series called Jesus is a Democrat because I could do the exact same thing. I could do this with, I think, with almost every single party that's out there. That I could look at the teachings of Jesus. I could pull those, some of those teachings out like, look, Jesus is fill in the blank whatever party you're affiliated with. Because we're so convinced that Jesus has the same values and the same views as our political party. But here's the thing we've got to remember. There are three agendas at play when it comes to something like faith and politics, specifically politics. There's your agenda or my agenda. There's their agenda. And then there's God's agenda. Do you know which agenda is the most important one to us? It's mine. My agenda definitely outweighs theirs because they're wrong and I'm right. But too many times my agenda is more important than God's agenda. And we've gotten to this place where we've said, hey, God, I like these elements of your agenda. I'm going to pull these over here and I'm going to kind of build my own political party because that's really what we've done in America. We've gotten to the place where we've taken our faith and we've taken our politics and we, we've kind of made our own political system. We're like, hey, God, you've got some good stuff, but you got some stuff, yeah, I don't really agree with. I know this person and this is going on, and, and I'm going to pull away from that. So I'm going to make my own agenda. We begin to focus on that. Do you know what happens when your agenda is most important than God's agenda? You get angry. And, and as James talks about here, he says, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And why is that the case? Because we're focused on my agenda and we're not focused on God's agenda that's your agenda that may be your political party's agenda but it may not be God's agenda now I will say if we were to look at the teachings of Jesus that there are parts of all the parties that we could easily pull out and say yep that party that belief that issue that that is God's like on board with that but I would also tell you that I believe we were to pull certain issues out of certain parties, we would find that God has some truly righteous anger about some of the things that we may hold true to. And why is that? Again, it's because God's agenda is not as important to us as we say it is. My agenda has taken over. And when my agenda is most important, human anger is all around. James says this in verse 21, so get rid of all filth and evil in your lives. And humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. We talked about this again back in the Reboot series. I'm not going to go back into details here, but I do want to focus on this one part of this passage. Uh, James says, accept the word planted in you which can save you. When you follow Jesus, God's spirit comes to live within your soul. And if you say you follow Jesus, your loyalty is not to a person, a party, a platform. Your loyalty is to Jesus. 
And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we got to remember who we are. We have to remember who we belong to. We got to remember that God's spirit lives within each one of us. And yet my agenda has become more important than God's agenda in so many ways. Here's what we've done. Um, Our God has become a person, our religion, a party, and our theology is now a platform. Why? Because my agenda is more important than God's. And James is saying, no, it's not. If you follow Jesus, God's spirit is in you and should be leading you. And if that's the case, that the way that you act towards other people that you may disagree with should be different than the world's. You should be civil. So how are we acting and how are we responding to people who think differently, who believe differently, who vote differently than we do? We have to learn to be civil and to be who God told us to be when we follow Jesus. How do we do this? How can we be civil when it seems like the world is teaching us not to be civil, when we gravitate toward our agenda and to fight their agenda and we stay away from God's agenda? Well, I'm going to leave you with four questions that I think every single one of us have to answer if we're a follower of Jesus. And and if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is important for you too, um, because you've got to learn to to do this, I think, uh, also. And James's words are powerful for you too. But here's the first question. First question that we've got to ask ourselves is what I'm going to say, is it true? I hope you know this. There's tons of lies out there about the candidates and their platforms and and the party. Um, Social media allows for lots of disinformation. I I hope we're learning that. Uh, Articles that are being passed around, that doesn't mean just because it's an article that it's necessarily true. And yet what I find is we keep sharing them and we keep telling others about them, even pastors, Man, people who do what I do, sharing lots of disinformation out there. And here's what we do. Because of somebody we kind of respect or we think we should respect, we, we look at them like, well, they're putting that out there. So maybe I should take what they're saying as truth and I should do that too. And so you talk about it, you post this online, but is it true? Have we taken the time to vet that information? Hey, that's hard to do, right? You remember having to write those papers back in college, the ones that you didn't fake, where you had to actually go and look for information and research? We've stopped learning how to do that. We don't know how to do that anymore. We've got to vet information. We've got to look up more details. We've got to take the time to understand. Truth is important. And so is what I'm going to say, what I'm going to post, what I'm going to share, that first question is, is it true? Here's the second question. Is what I'm going to say, is it helpful? Just because something may be true or have elements of truth doesn't make it helpful. Think about gossip. Maybe you've been the, um, experienced the aftermath of gossip. Maybe you've shared gossip before. All of us have, have I'm sure of that. But there may be some truth into the gossip that has been shared. But, but was it helpful to anyone? Or was that even your information to share with the people around you? Um, Are you sharing that just because you want to win an argument? Are you sharing that because you're trying to prove that you're right and someone else is wrong? I love what Paul says. Paul says the words that come out of our mouth should be helpful in building others up. Is what you're saying, is it helpful and is it building others up? So there's that question, is what I'm going to say, is it helpful? The third question we got to ask is what I'm going to say, is it personal? 
Am I attacking that other person's character? Am I using social media to, to debate something, an idea, or, or am I using it to attack someone else? How many times have you been on social media and you've kind of looked at the responses underneath, which I highly do not recommend, but um, you see accusations there towards that other person, uh, their personal attacks. Why? All because that person said, I don't like candy corn, Right? Your words matter. Um, are you attacking someone else? Because if we are, we're not being civil and we're definitely not being Christ-like. So ask that question, is what I'm going to say, is it personal? And then here's the last question, the most important. Is what I'm going to say, is it loving? You wouldn't say something untrue. You wouldn't say something unhelpful. You wouldn't say something personal if you're going to say something that truly is loving. We have to be quick to listen to other people's ideas, even if we totally disagree with them. Uh, then we have to be slow to speak, to be able to understand where they're coming from so that we can kind of hit the pause button or, or, or the wait before we hit the send button so we can, we can understand them as we respond to them. Because that's what loving means. Loving means we understand where they're coming from. We listen to them. We hold our tongue. We hold our fingers. It means we're focused on God's agenda. Not their agenda. Not my agenda. But God's agenda. And loving also means we understand that as a follower of Jesus, and listen to me, Christians, brothers, and sisters, because we're terrible at this right now, they have the power to influence somebody's faith for eternity. And yet, what do we keep doing? We keep fighting. And what do I keep seeing? I keep seeing more and more people say they stepped away from the faith because of disagreements with Christians who didn't know how to have a civil conversation with them about something like politics. We have the power to influence others to take their next steps towards Jesus, or we have the power to alienate them from taking their next steps towards Jesus. That's a pretty big deal. And so ask yourself that question. Is what I'm saying, is it loving? That's why John's words in John 13, 34, 35 are so powerful. So now I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Listen to this. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. If you don't take anything else out of this series, I want you to hold on to that statement because that's a big responsibility. And are we open and ready for that challenge? to understand that we have the power to influence people for eternity, which means we love them unconditionally. When you're thinking about how you talk to the actions that you take, how you respond to people who think differently than you, and if you're a follower of Christ, are you loving unconditionally? As I said at the beginning, this series is not to change your political leanings, the political party you're connected to, the person that you're going to vote for in 16 days. I don't care what I can say up here. I'm not going to change your mind, and I will alienate so many of you, probably all of you, if I told you what I truly think. Here's one, my one political statement. I'm going to give you my one political statement for this whole series. You ready for this? Write this down. Here it is. Vote. You got an opportunity to do that. We live in a pretty cool nation for the most part. Take the time to vote. But other than that, when you're having conversations with people, are you loving them the way Christ expects you to love others? Are you loving 
unconditionally. And as we start this series, are you being civil in those conversations that you have with people you disagree with? Are you and I, are we willing to put our faith filter ahead of our political filter? Let's pray. God, I, um, I know this is a topic that we don't want to talk about. Because um, one of the things we say is you don't talk about religion in mixed company. You don't talk about faith in mixed company. You don't talk about politics in mixed company. And God, the, the deal is it has become such a part of our life and our world that um, we've got to have these conversations. My prayer, God, is that through this series that, um, that we, will, we will understand that our faith filter and who we are, if we follow Jesus, is more important than anything else in this world. There, there's nothing on the same level as that. And yet, too many times, our political filter leads our actions our responses, our words, um, just who we are. And sometimes that's our religion more than our faith in you. So I pray, God, as we go for the next four weeks, that you would open up our hearts and minds and souls to you, um, that we can begin by being civil in conversations with people we disagree with, and, and that, God, that hopefully, because of us taking these steps, Instead of alienate others from Jesus, we'll be able to influence and point more towards Jesus. And that is my prayer as we begin this series, as we go through these next few weeks together. In Jesus' name, amen.